you would choose to be with us tonight. And for those of you that are joining us via Facebook Live and live stream, welcome to you as well. We're glad you could make it. Just want to remind you of a couple of announcements very quickly before Pastor comes this evening. First of all, uh, this coming Sunday is Easter Sunday. 2021 is about a quarter over at this point, so it is moving quickly, already Easter. But uh, we're looking forward to uh, this coming Easter Sunday and celebrating that together. And uh, we also want to remind you that the following Sunday, that's going to be uh, April the 11th, there will be a benefit lunch for uh, Brother Mike Tomlinson. And we will be doing that in the ACE Center. Those of you um, that have been with us for a while, you know Brother Mike is having some serious health issues. I want to do something to be able to help him, help his family. So on the 11th uh, at 1230 after church, we're going to have a benefit dinner. Uh, it's going to be really good. Some good pulled pork uh, sandwiches, baked beans, chips, cookies, and a drink, all for $10. Here's what we do ask, though, for those of you that are uh, inclined to pay electronically. Please do it this way. Whenever you go to, um, if you pay using the app, hit that little tab and you will see uh, down toward the bottom a selection that says Grace Church Goods and Services Payment. So if you choose to pay electronically, please make note of that just so we can keep track of the funds and make sure all of that goes uh, to, um, to benefit Mike's family. And as always, if uh, you need to know what's going on around Grace Church, we've got several ways for you to keep track of that. You can click on the app, uh, click on the app or by checking out the events tab on our webpage. God bless you this evening. Well, good evening, folks. Great to see you all tonight. And I thank you all, uh, as always, for being here, for being a part of our Wednesday night Bible study, and uh, we pray that our presentation here tonight is a blessing to you, but before we get to that, uh, I don't know what to say about this past Sunday, I, I, I can't find a word to, to put in the blank to try to describe just the, the content of God's presence that was here Sunday, it was truly one of the most remarkable services that I've been in in a long, long time. And to me personally, it, it, there was, uh, and, and reminiscing, and I'm still kind of in the afterglow of that service, felt real similar in some ways to the way it did when right after we bought this building and we're just having powerful, powerful, powerful moves of God every service. And uh, it was not long after that that we experienced just a phenomenal growth spurt. And uh, so after teaching for the past number of Wednesday nights on vision, uh, and then in some degree, on some level, preaching, uh, not specifically about vision on Sundays, but things that would apply to what we've taught on Wednesday night, I just thought this past Sunday was just an incredible, just an incredible a way for God to say, hey, I know where you're at as an individual. I know where this church is at, and I am in total control, and I'm leading in the path that, that I wanted to go, and it's up to us to follow that. And um, <clears throat> I believe lives were changed here this past Sunday, and uh, I am just exceptionally thankful for the blessing and the grace of God that's demonstrated in our lives literally 
every single, every single day. If you appreciate that, would you clap your hands uh, to the Lord tonight? Thank the Lord. To give him some praise and some adoration for his kindness, for his greatness, and all the amazing things that he has done. Thank the Lord. Very appreciative. Again, very thankful to see you. And uh, always, I'm very happy to see Grace Church show up on Wednesday night. And uh, such a blessing, such an inspiration. And again, I trust tonight that our presentation um, will be worth your while. Uh, I want to make a statement tonight before I, I jump into our Bible study. It's been on my mind. Um, <clears throat> we pray for people often. And uh, we have a very strong, if I may use the word, we have a very strong core group of people here tonight. Uh, there's a strong core of people that make up our church, not just the ones here tonight, but others. And then um, there seems to be maybe um, another part of our church that kind of tends a little more from the outside, they're not really that involved or not involved at all. Um, I would dare say that most of the people that, that take that posture with the church, they know better. Um, they know what they need to do. Oftentimes people know, even know what it is that God wants them to do, but uh, a little bit worldly, a little bit carnal, a little bit sinful, just won't enjoy today. Uh, the pleasures of sin for today and maybe at some point in the future I'll really jump in, dive in and I'll be what God wants me to be. I would like to say um, to those folks when, when you're in a service like Sunday and you don't respond uh, the way God would want you to what that does is makes your heart harder and more difficult for God to penetrate through. I've lived long enough uh, to have watched the pattern even before ministry, to watch the pattern of people. And I've, I've seen people, especially backsliders in their 60s and 70s, um, that they, they used to be in church strong. They used to just really serve God with all their hearts. Something happened. There's always something happens. And uh, they, they start pulling away. And by the time they're my age, it's, it's all you can do to even get them in church. And I believe that it's because over the years, their hearts have been hardened. There's a strange principle in the scripture. It's, it's not strange, it's peculiar is a better word. When Moses went to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt, the Bible said that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. I've often pondered that, and I've heard a lot of different men preach on it, and I've never really been satisfied with the interpretation that they have. But I do know this that Pharaoh had been in the company and presence of two men absolutely called by God to accomplish one of the most supernatural feats with humanity that's ever been done in the Bible. And they were he was in the presence of those two men consistently and never regarded what they had to say until his firstborn baby died. And then he listened. That set a precedent, that sets a precedent to me, that 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 as you're in the presence of God or in the presence of people who have God in them, if you don't respond properly to the presence of God, then you get harder and harder, and it's more and more difficult 
to be reached and touched by the presence of the Lord. And as amazing as Sunday was, there were ample people here that I believe should have taken advantage, it would have been in their best interest to have taken advantage of being here to hit these altars, pray back through to a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost, be back here tonight saying, hey, God, I'm here, and I'll do what you want me to do, and I'll be what you want me to be. I'm using that as a segue into what I want to teach tonight. <clears throat> I've been on a path, as you know, for the past number of Wednesday nights, uh, particularly talking about vision. I had some things that, that I felt like would have been pertinent tonight, but after Sunday, I've just not been able to just get out from under that just powerful manifestation of God here this past Sunday. Uh, through singing, through worship, through preaching, the whole thing. And I do believe there were some people that were impacted by that. I believe lives were eternally changed. I think there's people that were here Sunday that will never forget that message and underneath. So as a segue for tonight has been that little presentation right there. And if anyone's watching on live stream that this is applicable to, I would sure hope and if there's people here tonight, I sure hope and pray that you will give God his due in your life. You owe him that. No matter who you are, God created you to serve him. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, I want to hugely dedicate this, especially to our students in here tonight. I, I pray, I prayed this week that God would please talk to our students, to our leadership people, to our whole church. Let's go to Joshua 24. <clears throat> Joshua said, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up out, uh, and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we've passed. And the Lord drave out those from uh, before us, all the people, even the Amorites which dwell in the land. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes tonight. I want to just title this Choices. Choices. Joshua made a choice that day. So did all the nation of Israel. They made a choice. We're going to serve God. Come hell or high water, sink, swim, live or die. We're going to serve God no matter what. They made a choice. Some of you have made that choice. But there's people here that, uh, that, there's people that are not here tonight that also made that choice. But something happened. Life is made up of choices. Everything you do in life is the result of some choice that was made. Your being in service tonight is the result of a choice. What you wore to church tonight 
is the result of a choice you made. The place where you're sitting is a place you chose to sit. Your spouse or a lack of a spouse, it's a choice that you made. All of life is made up of choices. Listen to pastor, watch the screen. Your life today is affected by choices you made yesterday. And your life tomorrow will be affected by the choices you make today. Don't forget that. It may feel good today, but there's a price tag to pay tomorrow. Don't forget that. Anybody forget it? In his book, The Life God Blesses, Gordon MacDonald illustrates how one's choices may affect one's future. Using first a parable, then a true story, MacDonald effectively illustrates the importance of building a life with storms in mind. I'd like to add to that not only storms, but also sin. Because people sin. People do it on a regular basis. In the autumn of 1992, Michael Plant, a popular American yachtsman, set sail for France on his state-of-the-art sailboat, the Coyote. Every aspect of his equipment was the epitome of modern sailing lore. Additionally, Plant had purchased a brand new 406 megahertz emergency position indicating radio beacon, E-P-I-R-B, which was capable of transmitting a message to a satellite in the event of difficulties. Keep in mind, this was 1992. When Plant set sail, he had everything, the best of expertise, he had the best of experience. He had the best of equipment. And he and his friends were confident that absolutely nothing could go wrong. But something did go wrong. Eleven days into the voyage, radio contact with Michael Plant was lost. Initially, the radio silence raised little alarm because it was known that there were violent storms on the track of Plant's course. And everyone assumed that he was too preoccupied battling the weather to establish contact with his own base. However, after several days of radio silence, the confidence of family and friends waned and was replaced by growing apprehension. A search was launched, and as air, airline pilots and ships came into the general area of plant's course, they were on alert for any emergency signals from plants EPIRB. But days passed with no signals or sightings, and it was discovered later that Mr. Plant had never even registered his EPIRB signal with the Coast Guard. He had never registered that signal. And then the news that no one had ever expected was received. His sailboat, the Coyote, had been found. But here's what's unusual. It was floating upside down. It was found by a crew of freighter, uh, a, a crew of people on a freighter, 450 miles northwest of the Azores Islands with no sign of Mr. Plant. 
Everyone in the sailing world must have been surprised that when the coyote was found, that it was upside down in the water. Sailboats, it is said, do not capsize normally. They are built to take the most vigorous pounding a sea can offer. Sailors allege that a sailboat is the most natural of all sailing vessels, and it will always right itself, even if a wind or wave were to momentarily push it over on its side or even upside down. To answer why Michael Plant's sailboat was discovered floating upside down in the Atlantic Ocean would soon become very clear. In order for a sailboat to maintain a steady course, and in order for it not to capsize but to harness the tremendous power of the wind, there must be more weight below the waterline than above it. When the coyote was built, an 8,000-pound or 4-ton weight was bolted to the keel for this very reason. However, when the coyote was found floating upside down, the 4-ton weight was simply missing. Whenever and however that happened, the boat's stability was compromised. The first wave or wind of any magnitude became the probable death blow to the yacht, to the sailboat, and to Mr. Plant. And when it came time, it may have happened so fast that Michael Plant had no time to send any kind of emergency signal to try to signal for help. So no weight below the waterline to ensure stability was a major error. No emergency radio in operational condition, major choice. No time to take countermeasures, major calamity. The result, a very capable, experienced, and much admired man is now lost at sea. I want everybody to listen. I want our young people to listen. When storms and sin happen, storms are going to happen. And because we're human, so will sin. When that happens, you will learn more about what's below the waterline of your own existence than you could have ever learned in any other way. Sub-waterline issues seem so unimportant when the seas are calm and the winds are favorable. When the seas are calm and the winds are favorable, it don't really matter what's below the waterline. So it's only when storms hit or when sin hits or something catastrophic happens that we are likely to ask and begin to ask a different set of questions. Why wasn't the weight better distributed? What happened to that keel with that four-ton weight on it? Where did the boat's designer or the boat's builders, where did they make their mistakes? And once the boat was launched, why wasn't the radio operational and properly uh, registered with the Coast Guard? That's a no-brainer to me. Why would an experienced person sail into a potentially stressful situation for which he or she was not optimally prepared? Why would you do that? To be sure... To be sure, life can be understood backward. 
but it must be lived forward. To be successful in dealing with the storms of life and the sin issues of life that will certainly arise, a person must plan ahead. You have to deal with sub-waterline issues, those things beneath the surface and the hidden crevices of your own heart and mind long before the wind begins to blow. You folks have to absorb this tonight. You have to absorb this. If you prepare now for the future storms that will surely arise, you will be able to withstand the stormy gale. To do that, you must anchor your soul to the power and stability and wisdom of Jesus Christ. You do. So let me talk to you for a few moments tonight about the effects of our choices. The effects of our choices. I want to propose to you tonight that life and you as an individual is real similar to a tube of toothpaste. When you, when you pick up a brand new tube of toothpaste at the store and bring it home, it's always full and the outside part right here is always smooth. It's never flat, it's never wrinkled, it's always smooth and it's always full. And wouldn't you agree that when you're born and just start living your life that it's much like a tube of toothpaste? You're full, you're smooth, you're not wrinkled, stuff hadn't been squished out of you. When you're born, you're full of promise, your conscience is clean and smooth, we're all fresh and new. We're all full of potential and possibilities. We are full of something beneficial, something good. And there's a world waiting, welcoming us for us to contribute to. So life comes with no wrinkles. And through much of our youth, we will remain smooth and full. We're full of ideas. We're full of feelings. And we're full of energy. But as life goes on, just like a new tube of toothpaste, if you're going to be worth anything, you will have to make choices that will bring out of you what's on the inside. And these choices affect you spiritually, mentally, and even physically. So imagine that this tube of toothpaste is your life. And every time you make a decision, good or bad, a little of you is squeezed out. Some choices are small, some decisions are big, but every choice we make has an emptying effect on us. So when you begin to live life and life starts squeezing things out of you, it's kind of like the tube of toothpaste. 
Y'all see that? Right? Can y'all see that that far away? Some of y'all sitting way in the back. If I was sitting back there, I couldn't see a thing. So life comes and there goes another big squeeze and life comes and there goes another big squeeze. Life, good or bad, is going to squeeze something out of you. This is the beauty of the baptism of the Holy Ghost in relationship with God because when you're squeezed empty, he can refill you with life again. But those that choose cigarettes and alcohol and drugs and all that, you have to do it every day, every day. And it fills you up for a moment, but it keeps destroying you. So you're running on empty anyway because of life's choices. And now these other habits is making it worse. It's compounding the problem instead of making it better. But nonetheless, no matter what decision you make, it's going to squeeze something out of you. You do only as much as you want, typically, and you determine whether the choices you make are good or bad, are big or small. Now, I just commented at the very beginning of this that the choices you made today or the life you live today were based on the choices you made yesterday and whatever happens tomorrow will be based on the choices you made today. So imagine all of the choices that you've made recently. Imagine all the bad ones. And imagine how hard it would be to put all that toothpaste back in this tube. Anybody want to come try it? Try to get all that back in this tube without tearing the tube up. Don't mess the tube up. You don't want to compound the problem. I'm just asking you to come back up here and take all this toothpaste and put it right back in this tube like it was before. You can't do it. And so is life. So once you make that decision, and it's a bad one, it has squeezed something out of you that you can't ever put back in. Once you've made a choice, good or bad, big or small, your life has been affected by that choice, and a part of you has been emptied out. You can never really change the results of your choices. And you cannot change the outcome of your decisions. Perhaps that's why one sage warned, be careful as you slide down the banister of life, lest you get a splinter in your career. If all the choices you make in life are bad choices, you're going to have a very messy life. The advice I would give someone like, like that is this. If you had your life to live all over, don't do it. Life is like a camel. It can't back up. The great purpose of life is to make something good that will outlast us. And that won't happen unless we make more good choices than bad. You can never dictate your life to making excellent choices that will secure your future and that of your family, your children and grandchildren, unless you have a solid relationship with Jesus and have a firm grip on the big picture that life puts out in front of us. There are four steps to accomplishment in life. There's four steps to accomplishment in life. You plan purposefully. You prepare prayerfully. You proceed positively. And you pursue 
persistently. One has to learn to take the good with the bad because life will certainly give you a fair amount of both. Our choices in the good and bad, however, will determine in the end of life whether we have a surplus of life or a deficit. Because life is kind of like a bank. You can't take out what you haven't put in. So just remember the triumphal song of life would lose its melody without its minor keys. Make the best of your time on this earth. Correct decisions result from knowing God's purpose for you and understanding why it is better than anything you can come up with yourself. This is the whole point of our teaching vision for the past number of weeks. And remember, your creator ought to know what would make your existence fulfilling and meaningful a whole lot better than you. I got a text today from my sister. And um, I have an aunt that um, if I ever met her, I don't remember it. I have no record or memory of meeting her. And if she walked in the door, uh, of course, she can't. She just passed away. She's in her 80s, I think. And um, never met her. I remember a court custody battle over two of her children that were my father by my uncle, my mother's youngest brother. When I was a kid, it was a bitter court fight back then, and just a lot of horrible things happened. And bottom line, what happened, as I understand, is this lady who is my aunt abandoned her two kids and just left them. A neighbor heard them crying many hours later and went and rescued them, and hence the custody battle. My grandmother, my mother's mother, ended up raising these two babies. She did the best she could. But their daddy was a womanizer, an alcoholic, and many other things. Mom went away and never saw her again. My sister told me today that my first cousin, who is this, the lady that passed, would be her daughter, has not seen her in over 40 years, has not seen her mother in over 40 years. I understand she lives in the Northwest. But the boy, the boy, both of these kids was raised in church. Again, my grandmother took them faithfully every service. And I've referred a lot to my first cousin that his name is Joey. And I've, I've referred to him often in sermons and what have you. He was raised with a very similar opportunity as I was in church. As a matter of fact, we played horns together in the orchestra and he sang in our youth choir for a while, but when he hit his mid-teenage years, he wanted another path. He chose to do something else. He spent the vast majority of his time in Angola. And um, I understand he's living with his mother that abandoned him uh, in the Northwest somewhere. And I understand he's not in good health. He's probably six or seven years younger than me. Everything that's happened in this family is terrible, as tragic, and as awful as it is. Every bit of it has been based on a choice. Nobody can be blamed. Nobody else, you can't point a finger and say it's their fault, their fault, their fault. Every one of these people had a choice and an opportunity to do the right thing. 
and they chose not to. Folks, I could stand here and you all know it's true yourself. I'm saying this especially to our young people. You think, Pastor Murphy's going to be a little harsh right now, but you think you know it all. I, I raised two kids and when they were about the age of some of you, junior high, high school, and college, they knew everything. Mom and dad were the dumbest people on the planet. Somehow or another, we were smart enough to raise them until they hit their young teenagers, and something happened one night to mom and dad. They just suddenly got stupid. And everything they said, you don't understand, Dad. You don't understand, Mom. I need this. I need that. I need to go here. I need to go there. I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. And we're sitting here saying, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. Well, you don't understand. Yeah, we do. We've been there like you have. And, but it's different now, and y'all are old and all that. I heard, I've heard, I've been down that road, and I've heard all of that. One thing comforting in being a parent is when at least my kids, when they hit around their mid-20s, somehow another, another miracle happened that mom and dad got smart again. It's amazing how that happened. We just, for about 10 years, were just stupid. And now, all of a sudden, we're brilliant. And I'll never forget the night Marcus called and Sister Murph answered the phone. He said, Mom, put Dad on the phone. We thought it was an emergency. I got on the phone, and he said, Y'all have any idea how much it costs to live and pay your own way in utilities and rent? No, Marcus, we don't have a clue. We've never done that before. Tell us about it, won't you? <clears throat> we tried our dead level best. Now, and we failed often. We weren't perfect parents by a long shot. But we tried our best to ping pong both of our kids. Kind of a pinball machine kind of thing. Just keep the flappers, I think they call them, just keep that ball right down the center. Just keep them right in the center. And help them make the right choices. Nobody knows how grateful Sister Murph and I are that they're both living for God, dedicated to God. They love the Lord probably more than I do if the truth is known. They've both lived long enough and they've come to understand the importance of making the right choice. Now all of you folks right here. There's, there, there's young people sitting here right now. You want to get on your phone so bad right now you don't know what to do because that's important. You want to see who liked your Facebook stuff. You want to see who's following you on Instagram. You can't wait to get out here and go find all that out. And you'll file away what pastor's saying tonight and it won't be that big of a deal. But when you're married and you have a couple of kids and your wife wants to leave you or your husband wants to leave you, all of a sudden... You found yourself caught up in a situation that you have no control over, and you're going to want somebody to come help you. But if you would make the right choice now, absorb all this now, so that you marry the right person, you date the right person, just because a person is cute doesn't mean they're marriage material. And if they don't pay their tithes, they're not marriage material. They're not going to do that. There's going to be a whole lot of other things they're not going to do. So since the choice you make today will affect your future, it's, it's imperative to understand the importance of right choices. I'm finished. The people you surround yourself with and call friends can have an effect on your choices in life. Be very careful when choosing your friends. Be very careful choosing your friends because they can either make you bitter or they can make you better. I know it's your choice, but please make the right one. So back to our text and conclusion tonight. 
Joshua 24, 15, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We laugh about it now. Casey could tell me, maybe I should have asked her. I've used this illustration before, but it's applicable, so I'll do it again. When Marcus was in high school or college, he uh, got on some kind of this mail order thing where if you buy one CD, you get 10 free. Anybody remember those days? He'd get them in the mail all pumped and excited, and Sister Murphy and I'd go through them, and I, somehow I get the blame. She had nothing to do with this and making him send half of them back. And Dad was horrible. And I will admit that those CDs back then is probably easy listening music compared to what's going on now. But, buddy, it was an unstrained sound to my ear. And, uh, like, I ain't having that junk in my house, that rock and roll rap and all that kind of stuff. I ain't having it in my house. Well, I was hardcore, I'll admit. I'm very hard-headed, still am, very hardcore. But, again, it was an effort to teach them to make the right choices. And as it turned out, it wasn't so much about the music as it was the principle of the thing. There are so many factors that go into a person making the right choice and doing the right thing. To make the right choice takes a lot of discipline, takes a lot of character, takes a lot of accountability. These things are important in making the right choice. That's why it's important how you pick your friends. You want people that's going to accentuate your character, not drag you down. It may appear to be fun to go out with a guy that smokes marijuana once in a while or drinks a beer once in a while. But if you make that choice, he or she may be able to come out of it. But once you get hooked on that stuff, you may not. You may never want to. Don't do it. Don't. I know things look so much fun and so appealing. There's even parents, and this is the heartbreak to me, there's, there's parents that are divorced and one's in church and the other one's not. And they have split custody of kids. And, and the, the church parent is boring and obnoxious and stupid and not understanding. And the parent that don't go to church and has all the stuff floating around their house and got alcohol in the fridge and cigarettes everywhere and goes to this and that and lives all this stuff and parties and blah, blah, blah. Those are the cool people. Well, let me ask you to fast forward about 30 or 40 years and let's talk about it and see how it all ends up. When they're up here and pastor speaking over the top of their casket, then ask them about their choices. <clears throat> Pleading with everybody, when you're in the presence of God, it is imperative that you take advantage of it. You find a place to pray, whether you feel like you need to or not. This service Sunday, it was key. It was, it was priority. God meant some things here Sunday, and there's a lot of folks that missed it. And I just want to encourage everybody that when you're in the presence of God, you have to respond. If you don't think you are, just say, God, help me to understand it. God, I'm open. God, I'm open. Let's stand tonight, if you would. <clears throat> Thank you for being here. Thank you for your, your presence, your attention. And I'm certainly thankful that God was here tonight. Let's thank the Lord for his presence here tonight, shall we? Jesus, we love you. We're thankful for your blessing. We thank you for your spirit that's in our lives, that's ever drawing, that's ever wooing, God, that's ever reaching for us. I pray, God, that you would bless this amazing church, these amazing people, our students, our young people, our children, 
I pray, God, that you would wrap your arms around them tight, wrap your arms around them tight, and help them to know that underneath everything they do, everywhere they go, is the hand of God, the blessing of God, the power of God, and it's there for them to help them, encourage them, to strengthen them, to make them better people. Help us to make the right choice. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. Great group here tonight. Thank you for being here. God bless you, and we will see you Sunday.